happy to have you guys here. Like I said, I'm continuing this message series called Jaded. And tonight we're going to talk a little bit about the, what I think is probably the saddest of all of the jaded. Um, I said it was know-it-alls and seen-it-alls and have-it-alls. And I, I kind of look at the seen-it-alls as kind of like the saddest ones. And I think that's because I think that they've kind of like had this idea that there's no hope for them. That there was hope, that they believed, and then they kind of just lost that hope over time. But the meaning of the word jaded, like I said, it's kind of changed over the years. And in 1913, in a dictionary, it actually, the word jade meant a horse that was dull and uh, worthless and broken down or, or a disreputable woman, which is kind of interesting. And the word has changed over time, so obviously now it actually means more like wearied and worn out and worn down and that kind of thing. So obviously we look at last week I had my knives here and I, I spoke to you about how like a knife can be very dull and over time like obviously it loses its effectiveness. We know that it takes a lot more effort to use a knife that's dull than it is a sharp one. So if you use a dull knife, obviously you have more chance of injury, right? Same thing happens with someone who's jaded. Those people are kind of more weary and dull, and what happens is when they try to communicate to people, a lot of times what happens is they cause a little bit of injury sometimes, the people around them. Because they become so dull, what happens is they can't communicate what they want to say very well, and their message isn't good. So it actually ends up having this result of kind of just making everybody jaded around them. How many of you guys know that the Bible says, it says that, you know, be careful because a little yeast, you know, a bad yeast can you know, permeate the whole, the whole dough. So obviously we have to be really, really careful. So obviously the Urban Dictionary actually does, uh, de- defines jaded as the end result of having a steady flow of negative experiences, disappointment, and unfulfillment in life where a person gets to the point where their anger circuits burn out and they wearily just accept disillusionment. I kind of shared you with you last week that I've been a little bit disillusioned myself in life. I think all of us do to some degree kind of look at life sometimes, and maybe we thought we were going to have things a little bit different. Maybe we thought life was going to go a little bit more easy for us, and then you start to think, you're like, well, that really wasn't the way I thought everything was going to pan out. So we can get kind of disillusioned from time to time. Disillusioned meaning that something really isn't as good as you once believed it to be. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, because you could be, you know, (laughs) married, and people are like, what? You know, (laughs) you're not happy. It's not good. But like I say, I think to some degree, most of us, if we live this life, we can realize that life isn't always so great. Life doesn't always go well. It doesn't always just peaches and cream. You know, sometimes there are really some sour experiences that take place in life. So people do become disillusioned, and a lot of times they do become jaded. Like I said, I think that the scene it alls really are kind of the saddest of the whole bunch. And I think if you look at it in the spiritual sense, like obviously some people are jaded and they never want to come to Christ because they don't think that God actually has any answers for them. They look at God as something that doesn't even exist, maybe an old man in the sky, something that, you know, isn't really a believable experience to them in their life. They don't trust it. They don't believe it. They're jaded. They think they, that it's just something that people have made up in their, their minds, and those people are very jaded. But really what's really sad is those people that have once believed once had faith, once trusted in God, those are the people I think that are the most sad. And I think a lot of times it happens through maybe their choices or maybe life's experiences that they start to believe in God less and less and less over time. 
And I think we all, to some degree, probably have some experiences that kind of go up and down in our faith. Sometimes we really feel God's presence, and sometimes we don't. And the thing is, it just happens to be that we're supposed to seek God more in those experiences where we don't. But what happens a lot of times with the scene at alls is when they don't feel God, they just keep fading back farther and farther. So some of like I say, these jaded scene at alls, what has happened is over time, they've just kind of walked away. They've walked away from the church, maybe promising to never grace the doors of the church again, thinking that, you know, they just never wanted to come back. Or even sadder, maybe just sitting in church every single week, listening, but not believing anymore, not really trusting in God, just kind of like listening, letting it go in one ear and out the other, and just kind of doing it as just something, you know, just as a habit. It's almost like a robotic experience to them. And obviously, that's not how God wants us to be. God wants us to feel him. Our God is a God that is very an emotional God. He loved us so much, and he wants us to, to experience that love. He doesn't want us to have this feeling of just like this separation when we come in. He wants us, like I prayed, you know, to walk out of here feeling that God spoke something directly to you. That's something I think all of us need to do is we need to pray that. When you come into church, don't pray, don't sit there and just look at things, what happens as a, as a community, which is important, but ask God to really speak to you specifically. God, if you have something for me tonight, if you want to show me something specific, if there's something you're speaking to me, let me hear it. Let my ears be open to it. Let my eyes be able to see it. Those are the things that God wants, because God wants to speak to us. But I think it's sad, because there's a lot of people that really have given up. They've given up. They've become jaded. There's a saying that I heard once, and it says that Christianity makes big promises, yet can yield the biggest disappointments. And sadly, I think that's true in some degree in some people's lives. Some people really do have great disappointments, even though that they're believers. And I don't know what happens. I think a lot of times people have this idea and this, this thought, this irrational idea, thinking that somehow when they come to Christ that everything is going to go smoothly. Everything's going to be easy from then on. You know, maybe you struggled with something, and you're going to think that you don't have to struggle no more. That's not really promised that way. Some people, yes, it's a miraculous deli del delivery that takes place, but not everybody has that experience. And I think a lot of times what happens is we have big promises, and sometimes we feel like God under-delivered to us. And it's hard for us to get past that, because you're thinking, well, God, why is it that you answer other people's prayers, but it doesn't seem like you answer mine? So I think some people really have a hard time. They have a hard time pushing through those bigger disappointments. You know, the thing that we have to remember is that we're the wild card. See, the thing is, God says he's constant. He's always constant. He's always going to love you. He's always going to be there for you. He's always going to be as much there as you desire of him to be. But what happens is we're the wild card and we're the rolling waves that are kind of crashing to and fro. A lot of times we are the ones that kind of pull ourselves back a lot of times from God's presence. And that's what's sad because I think that a lot of times what we do is we blame God for our circumstances. I can tell you as a pastor, there's been many, many times, um, not too long ago, maybe about six months ago in this church where I talked to a woman and she was really sad. She said she was very, very disappointed because she felt like God was taking away the, the guy that she really thought was going to be her forever. But when I started speaking to her, it was hard because I realized that a lot of the choices she made weren't the best choices. 
she was really living with this guy and it wasn't really the, a great experience that was, he wasn't really all what she wanted, you know, and when it came right down to it. And sometimes I think we look at something that God's taken away and we, we blame God for it when God's like, this is the best thing for you to get away from you, you know. But we don't get that sometimes. What happens is we can become bitter. And I think sometimes it is our own fault that we become bitter, that these, sometimes we drop out. We just drop out of our faith. And I think what happens is they start to disregard God. They start to think that God doesn't care for them anymore. They no longer believe that he can change things or make a difference in his life. But, you know, it, it matters. Our faith matters to God. God wants us to stay close to him. He wants us to keep reaching out to him. He wants us every day to get up and say, God, I need your help. I want you to help me get through this day. It really is important that we keep our faith that we keep trusting in him. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, and it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. See, the thing is, a lot of times what happens is we haphazardly seek him. We mediocrely seek him. We kind of, sort of seek him. But then we're surprised when God doesn't really come through in a big way for us. It's like it's any relationship that we have, any marriage, any real important relationship that you have in your life. How much you put into it is how much you're going to get out of it. And that's really how God wants us to look. That's why he says, look at me almost as like a bride and a groom. See, understand that I need you to want me close. I need you to want to be near me. That's what it has to be. We have to communicate. We have to spend time together. A lot of times these people that are dropouts too, they have irrational ideas of what Christianity would do for them, like I said. Insulation, they think that they're never going to go through tough times. And uh, obviously anybody who's ever been a believer for any length of time knows that that's not true. I mean, I don't know about you guys out there, but I probably went through some of the tougher times in my life since I've become a believer. They've been the more difficult times, the more trials, the more struggles, more things that God has kind of shown me and I've had to work through. Depression got me to God. But not everything just disappeared and everything was wonderful after that. It still is just a battle some days. I mean, there's reason why the, the Bible says it's a battle. We're in a fight. We're in a fight for our spiritual selves. So it's really important to remember that we're not going to be insulated. The disciples weren't insulated. We're not going to be insulated. Over the 22 years of being a follower of God, I'm going to tell you, I've met some old, saint, old saints that were so encouraging. They told me things, and I said, keep going, you can do this, you know, you can make it. People, then they'd, they'd come in, and they'd want me to pray for them, and I'm like, no, I need you to pray for me, and they've encouraged me so much and, and told me I can continue on. When my husband didn't want to become a believer after seven years of me following God, I had a woman come into the church, and she stopped by just for a, a second and I said, I need you to pray because I'm at my end. I can't do this no more. I can't live with the person who is basically so against everything I believe in and love. You know, she prayed and it was amazing, the encouragement. She's like, it's going to happen. God's going to do things in your life and that encouragement. And when you walk away and you think, no, God's got this. I'm not alone. And how God's timing is amazing because that was exact same weekend that Sunday after that Friday that my husband gave his life to Christ that's how God is so amazing and so good 
But she encouraged me to keep going. And then I met some believers who never have a word to say. Never have an encouraging word. A lot of times they don't have anything to say. They don't have anything at all. There's just nothing. A lot of times what they have is this idea thinking that their faith is their own business. They keep it to themselves. And it is personal. But it's also supposed to be public. A lot of times what happens to those people is they kind of don't have a lot of like excitement and joy in their life. And they really don't want you to have that much excitement and joy in your life either. Because it's kind of challenging to them. It kind of bugs them a little. They're like, yeah, well, you just wait. You just wait. You'll see. I've had people say that to me before. Just wait. Wait till you're praying for something and God doesn't come through. It's like, well, I read the Bible and I saw that people had prayed for a long time, 50 years or more, before something was answered. And just because sometimes I don't see it doesn't mean it ain't happening. You know? But we have to remember those things. We have to be careful what we say to others and what others say to us because it can really set us off on a collision course. You know, it's kind of like someone who puts together a bike with no instructions. You look at somebody who's put together a bike with no instructions, you know, they could have the seat up here and, you know, the pedals up here and everything else, but yet they're sitting there saying, you know, this is how you put together a bike. I look at it, it's a bike. It's like it is a bike, but try to ride it. It's not going to be very comfortable and it's not going to work very well, is it? And a lot of times what they'll do is they'll say that, I don't get this. I have this bike, but I can't ride it. And they complain. Well, the thing is they didn't put it together right. They didn't follow the instructions. And what happens then, they're saying, this is how you do God. This is how you follow God. Now, this is how you're supposed to follow God. And you're like, this isn't going to work. You know, the thing is, the Bible tells us that we reproduce what we are. And a lot of times we have to be very, very careful what we're reproducing. Because those around us are watching. And a lot of times if we're riding the bike and it's all messed up and it's all wrong and we're saying that this is what Christianity is, we can see that a lot of people aren't going to get very far, are they? But these people with small faith, the one thing I've noticed is they have nothing to share. Nothing. A lot of times they're just nothings. There's nothing. They have no power in their lives. There's nothing exciting about them. There's no amazing testimonies to share. When we know our God's amazing and he gives great testimonies. You know? These people are spiritual zeros for the most part. There's nothing attractive about them. Nothing to draw anybody to them. But what's amazing is someone who does have faith. They are so attractive to us. They're the attractive. It's like a moth to a flame. There's something about somebody who really truly loves God even if someone's not seeking, there's something about them that's a draw. You know, the Bible tells us, it says, for those who are seeking God and seeking salvation, for those of us who love him, that we smell like the most beautiful flower to them. But to someone who wants nothing to do with God, we smell like rotting meat, rotting flesh. There's a whole spiritual world out there that takes, takes place that a lot of times we don't really understand everything that happens. But big faith is attractive, it's amazing. You talk to somebody with big faith and you know you feel like you can just slay dragons, man. You can move mountains. You can do anything. Just because you talk to somebody sometimes. People with little faith tend to repel. Keep you back. They detract people from God. A lot of times they have no friends. Unless they're miserable with them. 
a lot of times. People with small faith have nothing to share, no power. It's sad. It's sad to think that you can get that way in life. When you know that God has saved them, at one point maybe they had this amazing testimony, this amazing belief that God could answer things. But then all of a sudden, over time, they just kind of dropped out. Kind of makes you wonder, it's like, how do they even make it this far sometimes, you know? How'd you do it? You ever see those people that have literally, like, I know one person has been in church forever, and I still have never heard anything out of them. Nothing. Even when you have a conversation, there's nothing. There's nothing about God. There's nothing about the goodness of God. Makes you wonder how they got that far. Paul asked the question in Galatians 5, 7, says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? And I told you last week, I said, it's not what, but it's who. A lot of times, these are the people that you're going to have to try to meander through and get through, navigate through. It's the who's that are going to sometimes mess you up. Those people that sometimes you think aren't going to make a difference in their life, they have such an effect on you. They really, really can make a difference. I think for the most part, when you think about a person who's been a scene at all, they must have had somebody maybe cut in on them at one point. Something happened. Something happened. Some who maybe happened. The scene at alls will tell you, I used to go to church regularly. I used to do that. I used to. Or... This, I've always been a believer. I was raised in church. That means nothing. That means nothing. I used to read my Bible. And what happens a lot of those times is those people think the used to's are going to make all the difference, and it isn't going to make the difference. Because used to isn't going to work. You know? You have to remember that used to's can't last a lifetime in your faith. It's an everyday walk with Jesus. Every single day. We can't live a spiritual life like that. We can't go back constantly trying to relive this experience and think it's going to work. It's just the same thing as like you look at somebody who would eat. I mean, you think about it. You can't eat one meal in a whole entire lifetime and think you're going to survive. You know, it can't work that way. And also, you know what you can't do? You also can't eat everything you'd possibly ever eat in your lifetime in one meal ever. Because if you do that, you're just going to get overweight and spiritually fat, right? You're not going to make it. You know what he says is every single day you have to eat a little something. Every little day. Every day. You have to feed our bodies every day. Every day we have to feed our, feed our spiritual selves every day. That's how God tells us to live. It's not our knowledge of God that's going to make the difference. It's the application. That's what's going to make the difference. You have to take knowledge and you have to apply it. See, the idea, the knowledge that Jesus saved you and wants to have a relationship with you is wonderful. But if you don't apply it, it means nothing. It means nothing over time. We can know God. We can know the Bible. We can know all the scripture references in the world that there are. But if you don't apply it, it can't change us. It just can't change us. Wisdom is actually applying the word of God in our lives. That's what wisdom is. Knowledge is important, but you have to put application to it. Cameron actually says it this way. Knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it into a fruit salad. So 
That's what we have to remember. So the Bible, we know, is full of very knowledgeable people, isn't there? If you start reading the Bible, you realize, well, how many times did God come into contact with Pharisees, the know-it-alls? They knew everything. They knew all the laws. They knew all the things. They knew all these different ways that you're supposed to live. But it didn't work. God had to send Jesus, who taught application, is what he did. He said, this is what you do. He says, the thing is, you know, all these rules and regulations that you have mean nothing. What you need to do is you need to apply love. These are the things I'm giving you, and you need to learn application. Just like knowing that exercise and eating right will make you healthy. Just knowing it ain't going to make the difference. You know what you got to do? You got to quit eating fried chicken, and you got to get off the couch, right? That's what you have to do. See, the thing is, we all have this idea. We can have all the knowledge in the world. We can, and the Bible says that. It says, you know, I can know all things, but if I have not love, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. So knowing things without applying them is not going to work. Knowledge has to move on to application. What we know, what we do, and how we act has to match up. It has to go hand in hand. Because if we don't, that's what causes a lot of times the jaded, seen-it-all dropouts. Seen-it-alls, like I said, they're downers. They don't expect God to come through in any single way. Not for them and not for you. That's what they believe. James 1, 2 through 7 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. But when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Sometimes he's like, but do you really believe? Do you really trust me? Do you really have faith in me that I have your life in my hands? That's so convicting to me when it says, if you have faith, you could say to this mountain to move. And I think, man, I want that faith. I don't know about you guys. I want to have that faith. I truly want to be the person that actually can sit there and say, mountain, move. And not, without a doubt, it would move but there must be something inside me that still says it's not going to happen because you know what's never happened for me. I've never moved a mountain yet. Kind of disappointing, I have to say. But God wants us to have faith. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to believe him. He wants to live a li- us to live a life every single day where we get up and we think, without your help, I can't make it, God. That's what it's all about. He just wants us to reach out to him, to call out to him, to ask for his help. We need to ask Jesus, believing that he's the one that's going to help us. No other God. There is no other way. I'm going to tell you, stand up here, tell you the truth. No other God can get you there. I believe that without a doubt. I don't believe other gods. And I'm going to tell you, as a Christian, you can't mix Jesus with Buddha, with Hindu, with everything else. It doesn't work. Your loyalties cannot be divided. It has to be Jesus and Jesus alone. That's what it's about. We need to believe and we need to not doubt. 
A.W. Tozer said, faith is a muscle that grows by stretching. You're going to stretch your faith if you're following after God. That's when we, we really are challenged so many times. You know, we have these great mountaintop experiences sometimes. And they're amazing. They're joyful. We're just like so just blown away by God's presence. But the truth is we grow the most in our valleys. That's when we're really going to be challenged and we're really going to change sometimes. No one likes to go through the valleys. No one enjoys it. Everyone wishes that we can get through it quick. Usually it's after we get through it we realize, yeah, you know what? That's, that's when it changed the most for me. Every single valley I've ever went through, my faith was stretched. I was trusting in God more and more and more after I've gone through them. But unfortunately, that's also sometimes when we lose a few. People go through valleys and they don't keep reaching out to God. They think that God somehow has turned his back on them. And God hasn't turned his back on them. He just says, reach farther, reach more. And I'm here. So how do you make it? How do you protect yourself from becoming a seen-it-all dropout? I think you have to truly look at yourself. I think sometimes what we have to do is, as believers and followers of God, we need to really truly ask ourselves, do we believe as much as we've always believed? Is my faith stronger or weaker than it ever was? And really look at ourselves. The Bible says look at ourselves in a mirror. Don't forget what we look like, but actually start to think, who am I? It's important for us to really sincerely look at ourselves. There's been times where I've recognized I'm not as close to God as I once was. And a lot of times it's because I felt myself pulling away from God. I wasn't reaching out. I might have been reading my Bible, but it was really just habit, not seeking. So we have to look at ourselves and we have to ask, who are we and why? Also, who are you surrounding yourself with? It's important for us to surround ourselves with faithful people, not jaded people, because jaded people are just going to make you more and more jaded. You know, you start hanging around with people who don't believe in God, and believe me, before long, you're going to have every doubt in the world coming up. Because you know what? Those are the people that they want to tear you down. And don't think that that isn't what the enemy wants. The enemy wants you to surround yourselves with people that are going to just make you doubt and question everything that you've ever believed. Hang around with people who are going to encourage you and tell you that God is good, not that you all become robotic, but that you actually encourage by testimony and, and people's faith. Also, read the Bible and pray. We talk about this all the time. Read the Bible and pray. It's so important for you to read because we read these great testimonies in the Bible of people who have been delivered of sickness and, and, and disease and all these different things, blind that can see and, and deaf mutes that can talk and hear. And, you know, these are the things that God wants us to say. See, I, I do miracles and I still do them today. Then also follow the example of the disciples. Luke 17, 1 through 6 says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, There will always be temptations to sin, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. And even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. The apostle said to the Lord, Show us how to increase our faith. And the Lord answers, If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, May you be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it would obey you. 
even just a little faith, and he'll grow it for you. You know, I always think that's so interesting because we look at that scripture and we think, wow, this is talking about little kids. No, what, what they're talking about is somebody who would lead anybody astray that's a new Christian, a new believer. We talked about that last week. Those who are still spiritually drinking milk. Those who are just learning how to crawl. We're responsible for some, in some respects, to help them. So we have to be careful what we would ever say to make them jaded, to make them think, we've seen all this. It's not true. It's not real. So better to have a millstone tied around your neck and go deep in the sea and drown than to turn some little one in their faith away from me. So important for us to get that and really think about our words sometimes and what we share with somebody. Our faith has such power. We have this opportunity to bring life to people. Not bring death, not bring destruction, not bring this weight and this heaviness upon them, but to encourage them and enlighten them and make them feel as though they can go on. We're not going to let anybody cut in on us if we do these things, if we serve together. Serving together does amazing things. And, you know, we're always telling you we want you to serve. And, yes, we do need help. We'd love to have people's help at Axe Church. But it really is more for your benefit because the more you serve together, the more relationships are built. You learn so much about yourself when you're serving with somebody. You learn much about them. And also, the fact is, you know what you realize? That you're not just self-obsessed. It's about others, too. And that's really important, because obviously that was how God lived, right? It's not just inward focus. You know what happens when we become so inward focused? We're shut-ins. We're shut-ins. All we do is think about ourselves all the time. We have to be outward focused. Also, join groups. You know, we're always telling you to join a group. There's that saying that says, more is done basically in circles and not rows. See, this is great to all sit by each other and be a community, but when you're really going to be challenged and you're going to have relationships is when you're in a circle and you're talking. Now, I today sneak peeked to look on our drop camera of Thursday night's Bible study for the guys. And it was really encouraging. Because you look at them and you think, there's relationships that are happening. Relationships, just somebody coming and just saying hi and talking about their day. You know what, it makes you realize that you're not in it alone. You have a friend. It's so important to have that group and and stay together and just encourage each other. Listen to others' encouragement. Don't shut yourself off. Don't always be in such a hurry. If someone has something good to say, listen, take it. Share your faith with others. Let them share it with you. That's how God wants us to live. He wants us to live in a community together. And when you get discouraged, go to a strong believer and tell them you're down and you need help. There's been many times, many, many times that I've gone to Cameron or I've gone to my husband or I've gone to my daughter. I said, I need you to pray for me. I'm down. I, I feel like I, I'm just weary. I need help. You know, that God wants us to just recognize sometimes that we need to ask for help and we need to ask for somebody to help us to continue on. Go to a strong believer and ask them for help. And then go to others, too. Like I say, if we're not so inward focused, we're going to notice when somebody seems like they're more distant. We're going to notice when they're kind of dropping out. 
when they're not as welcoming or they're not willing to talk to you as much, we're going to think and look at that and think, okay, well, maybe this is an opportunity I'm supposed to pray for this person. Well, let me go over and just start a conversation with them. See, we're supposed to be a family. We're supposed to care about each other. And then also, you know what we need to do? Sometimes we need to avoid a seen-it-all, just like we need to avoid a know-it-all. A lot of times they can talk a good game. But after a while, you realize, you know what? They don't have any good fruit. The Bible says, it says that we're like a tree. We produce things in our lives when we're following after him. After a while, you're going to realize there's nothing good. So I need to avoid them. I need to avoid those people. They're not growing any good fruit, so you need to stay away from them. And then also, we need to listen to practical teaching. We want you guys to come here. I can tell you that we both really sincerely do seek God, every single message. It's all God's word. Try not to make anything up. (laughs) It's all just God. So the thing is, it's really important for you to do that. Also, we want you guys to, to reach out to other good spiritual leaders. Listen to podcasts. Do those things, you know, that are actually going to encourage you because we realize and, and recognize that Saturday or Sunday is important, but sometimes you need the help throughout the week. You need the help throughout the day to get through. Have good relationships. Keep those people that are meaningful in your lives. Keep them close. Somebody that's there for you, that you know that they've got your back spiritually, that they're always going to be there to pray for you and help you. Keep those good relationships serve continue on don't drop out don't drop out don't be a scene at all there's nothing sadder than someone who's sitting in church that's lost joy it's just sad it's just a sad experience to think somebody doesn't really believe that god has their life in their hands anymore in his hands and that he cares about them i've had experience before i always tell the story and actually, everyone laughs, but it was actually really kind of hurtful at the time. Um, there was an older, older man that was at our church, and I was one of those ones. I had this like, job where I literally had to do everything. I was a youth pastor, but I was a Christian education director, and I was also, like, basically everything. Janitor, everything that there possibly was. But I had this experience once where I was upstairs doing youth, and all of a sudden the projection system quit, and the pastor said, go get Deb. So they ran up the stairs real quick to get me, and I ran down the stairs, and I had to run through real quick to try to get it done because I still had to teach. And this old Joe says to me, Wow, you're walking real loud. And I said, Well, I'm fat, Joe. So that happens. (laughs) So I said it to him because I thought, You know what? Believe me, Joe, you didn't encourage me that day. And I think, Why is it sometimes that we think that our words have no, no meaning. You know what? I'll tell that story forever because, you know, that's one of the most hurtful things. And I was like, you know what? I just said it back to him because I thought, you need to stop and think about what you say sometimes to people. I'm talking, walking loud. Yeah, I'm in a hurry. And truthfully, the floors were hollow. They had plywood and there was nothing underneath. Of course I was loud. I was overweight too, but still. still. I mean, you know, still. But I'm like, you know, our words have such power to hurt or heal. We have to remember that. Sometimes just a careless little word can turn somebody away. It's so important for us to think about our words and care. Don't be satisfied with tired faith. If you really start to feel like God's distant, you better really just reach out for him more and more and more. 
you know, when, when it comes time for worship, you need to really just ask God, in the middle of worship, God, show me the joy. There's that old song that we used to sing, and I, I, I love it. I just love it. It says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. That, I read that and I think, man, yes, restore me, God. I'm weary. If you serve in any respect, you're going to be weary from time to time. He says, just dust yourself off. Keep going. You can do it. Don't be satisfied with the tired faith that you have. One thing is for sure, we haven't seen it all. We might think we did, but we haven't seen it all. You know, the truth is, we haven't seen nothing yet, have we? Not yet. The Bible says there is so much out there that we're going to have to be experienced. I mean, do you think about that? You think about the fact of the future, what it is. We look at this world that he gave us, and it's beautiful. It's amazing. We have opportunities to love and be loved, and we have such great things given to us. And he says, this is all going to be a dim, a dim little bit of what God's going to give to us in the future. There's so much more. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, that is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. We are going to be given such great, great things. We can be joyful now because you know what? We're forgiven, and we get to go on. But what great things are in store for us that love him. So thank you so much for being here. Let me pray for you. If you guys have no relationship with Jesus, if you've, you, you're jaded, you don't think that God can possibly make a difference, we're going to be up here. You can definitely come up and we'll pray with you. We want you to understand that God loves you and desires to have a relationship with you. But also if you've become kind of jaded, kind of seen it all, kind of feeling like you're dropping out, kind of backing up a little bit from God, come up and talk to Cameron or I or somebody that you know is a strong believer and just say, I need help. That's the first step. Just ask for help. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would just protect us from being the seen at alls, Lord, the dropouts and the jaded ones, Lord. I pray that you would continue, Lord God, just to pour into our lives. I pray that our eyes would be open to you, Lord, that you would speak to us through any possible thing you could use, Lord, through the weather, through music, through television, through anything, Lord God. I pray that you just get our attention. Lord, help us to see, Lord God, how much it is that you care for us and, Lord, how much you desire to have a close relationship with us. I just pray, Father, for each person that's here, Lord. I pray for their faith. I pray, Father, that you would just grow it. Let it become so strong. And, Lord, I just pray, Father, that they would never, ever give up, Lord, that they would continue on, that they'd follow you with just sure steps, Lord. We just thank you for everything you're going to do in their lives, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name.